Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where motivated women achieve fulfillment and well-being. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. Just, you're going to be in for a good ride. I'm a woman. I would prefer to, to tell my own story. My story, though it's very personal, is universal. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. And now your host, Giovanna Rossi. Giovanna Rossi here and welcome to another episode of The Well Woman Show, where I interview women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs about their lives and their road to becoming and being who they are today. Are you at the top of your game professionally but feeling burned out or finding it hard to focus on your goals or unfulfilled personally? Or are you in transition, simply juggling so many things you find it hard to take care of your own needs? Well, you're not alone. We all need to activate the four universal superpowers. These are the internal strengths and abilities we all already have, but don't use all the time. Superpowers can be cultivated and they include awareness, intuition, action, and acceptance. Toward the end of the show in a segment called Superpowers for Success, I ask my guest about her superpowers and the answers will give you the strength, perspective, and power to live a well woman life. I'm so happy you're here, so thanks for tuning in. This episode of The Well Woman Show is brought to you by Collective Action Strategies, supporting organizations that support women and families, and by Well Woman Life Movement Challenge Quiz, your resource for living your best life. If you're in burnout or major transition, this is your time to figure out what's holding you back from making the changes you need to make in order to live your fullest, most joyful life. The cause of all of our challenges, personal or professional, can actually be rooted in the lack of internal superpowers and or external supports. Our Well Woman Life Framework tells you which stage of the Well Woman Life Cycle you're in and what to do about it so you can truly live your best life. You can find out more at wellwomanlife.com slash quiz. I'm so thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico, a monthly green healthy lifestyle publication, and for support from High Desert Yoga, promoting optimum physical health, clarity of mind, and spiritual inspiration for all. Hello, hello, well women. Giovanna Rossi here. Welcome back if you're a regular listener and warm welcome to you if you're new to the show. Um, I'm super excited about this episode today because... The topic and the interview really parallels part of the Well Woman framework that we work on a lot, which is um, the first stage is um, to stop and become aware. And so really creating that awareness in your life. And this is really for a lot of us who are, you know, who get into burnout and it's, it's, start, it, it's hard to stop Um, and, and in order to listen to what you, uh, to what you need. And so that's the first um, stage is that creating that awareness. And the second stage is to really tune in to your deep inner wisdom, which is the deep listening. And um, so the episode today is stop and listen and then listen deeper with Julie Shapiro. And I'll introduce Julie in just a minute, but I'm just excited about this because this is what we teach in the Well Woman Framework, right? But she's applying it in her career and as a professional listener (laughs) of audio and creator of audio. Um, 
And so what we talk about in the Well Woman Framework is really stopping and listening. And then once you've done that, then you listen even deeper. And that's where the magic, that's where the, the real inner knowledge can be found. And uh, it's a super exciting um, process. So um, on the show today, I have Julie Shapiro, who is a career listener, thinker, innovator, encourager, and champion of story. And she has so much going on. She's executive producer of Radiotopia from PRX, a curated network of extraordinary cutting-edge podcasts. She's also the executive producer of Ear Hustle, a podcast that tells the stories of daily life in San Quentin State Prison, shared and produced by those living it. Um, She co-founded in 2000, the Third Coast International Audio Festival, where as artistic director, she shaped the festival's creative trajectory and prioritized innovative audio and cross-pollinating international listening culture. Julie has taught radio to university students, presented at conferences all over the globe, and produced stories for the airwaves in the U.S. and beyond. And I'm so excited to have Julie on the show today to talk about stopping to listen and then listening even deeper. Here's my interview with Julie Shapiro. I'm speaking with Julie Shapiro today. Welcome to the program. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's so good to have you. I wanted to start out by asking you a very broad question, which I ask many of my guests, um, which is who are you, Julie, in the world today? (laughs) in the world today. I think I'm a version of myself that I've always been, which is um, someone who listens a lot. And um, I don't know, it's hard to think of yourself in the third person, but I feel like the things that have been important to me have always been important to me. Um, And that is building community and asking questions and listening to what others have to say and Uh, kind of seeking out things in the world uh, that interest me and um, helping give others a platform to express themselves. So those are through lines, I think, through all of my interests and all of the things I've done along the way to where I am now. Yeah. And in the introduction, we heard all about your bio and your titles and all the things that you've done. And it's all very impressive. You, You did just say that you really one of the through lines is supporting other people to have their voices heard. And I know you do that through your work at PRX and um, Radiotopia and all of the things that you've done. Um, how, how did you, can you just give us a little bit of the story of like, how did you become this, person that you are in radio and at PRX and with Radiotopia, you've got so much going on and such a leader in the industry. Uh, Sure. So I I fell into radio. So now I'm very deeply into podcasting and you can start to split hairs to say what's the difference. But I really did start in a public radio environment and I found my way there through the, uh, the act and I would say the art of listening. I was 
really into music in college, not as a musician myself, although I think everyone played drums in a crappy band in college, right? Or lots of people did. I did that. But mostly I was um, I was a voracious listener and I worked in record stores and was really on top of all of the underground music and the indie scene and the riot girl movement and the kind of punk and DIY communities. So that was the culture that I found and when I was going through college and after college. And that was the kind of background I had coming into radio, which was very community-minded and do-it-yourself and resourceful. So um, I think through listening so much to music and experimental music and musics with narratives, that kind of brought me into a space where I got interested in documentary radio and storytelling through the audio medium. And one thing led to another. Um, I also was making a zine for many years, and that was a lot about asking other people to contribute to something that I curated and pulled together. So another thing I've done throughout my career is a lot of curation, and that started even in college through doing a zine in print. So that translated into the audio medium, and um, I sort of stumbled into the Third Coast International Audio Festival right when it was starting in 2000 and helped co-found that organization with Johanna Zorn. And that's really where all of these things came together because the Third Coast became this festival, but ongoing all year round celebration of independent radio work that really pushed the boundaries and embraced creativity and used the form, uh, used the medium to, to help tell stories. And that's where we started building community with producers and encouraging them, bringing them together in a conference that's almost a thousand people strong now, it's still going strong, and celebrating the best work and introducing the American radio producers to the international producers. Um, I think that time at Third Coast, which ended up being almost 14 years, is really where I grounded myself in these ideas of curation and sharing and exploring and encouraging other people, um, especially women. Actually, that was something that I was very invested in very early on in my radio career. And it just has gone from there and it's manifested in lots of these other ways. But, the, um, you know, the, again, that through line of bringing people together, helping, being accessible to people seeking help and connecting, helping others connect with each other so they can help each other and then really introducing new ideas in craft and the art of audio to lots of people. That, that's been the real joy of it all along as well. Okay, and you mentioned the zine, which I actually found, I think, ah. <laughs> on your website, and you're sort of like re, uh, relaunching it maybe? Or, or is yeah. That the, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, actually, I'll send you um, something to contribute if you'd like, and anyone who hears this is welcome to to let me know it, it 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 goes through the mail so it it's something i've held on to is this analog version of um i did some mail art as well like postal art when i was in college i was very into the fluxus art movement which had a uh, played around a lot with what you could send through the mail um and so the zine was a way to to sort of publish some of my own overwritten you know musings and wanderings when i was uh in my formative years i'd say but then also i would invite people to just tell me what was on their minds through a specific graphic and that became the backbone of the zine and i recently decided i i really missed that um that kind of creation i don't have a lot of extra time in 
in my life anymore. I have a, I have a family, a son and a, and a husband. And with all the podcast listening, there aren't many extra minutes, but I have managed to re revive the zine. And I put out an issue at the end of last year, and I'm hoping to get another issue out by the end of this year. Um, it's still on paper for those who contribute. And then I'm also showcasing the contributions in a, like a Tumblr blog too. Yeah. So, okay. And so the graphic that runs through the, the zine, it, it's the same graphic, but then the words change. Is that right? Yeah. So it's this image of, um, when I used to do the zine, it was called anodyne, um, back in the like mid nineties. And it was a picture I found in an old health book like textbook. I would, I would like pillage thrift stores for books with cool old like retro graphics and put those all throughout the zine. And this image I came upon was like a boy and a girl holding up a sign between them. So I, um, like whited out because we used white out back then (laughs) whited out there, what was in the sign and just made it a blank space and invited people to put whatever they wanted in that space and send the sign back to me. And then I would put the signs with the people's contributions in the zine and mail the zine back to them and then share it with whoever else. So that image is still the the core of the whole project. Um, and it's still the image that I mail out today for people to send back to me. Okay. And so every, um, in, in every image with different words inside are from different people. Exactly. And I saw one that caught my eye and it said, stop and listen and then listen deeper. Yeah. And I loved <laughs> that. I loved that. And I just, yeah. yeah, I wanted to ask you about that one. That one is from my former colleague. I, um, I neglected to mention a chapter in my professional trajectory between the Third Coast Festival and what I do now with Radiotopia and PRX. And that is I went over to Australia for a couple of years and helped found their creative audio unit and worked with this brilliant producer named Miyuki Yokiranta. And she um, she produced and hosted our sound art show. So that was a sign. You know, that's for her what's on her mind. Um, it's something I've always love to think about is like the act of listening is, is, is very, I have a reverence for that. I really hold it as an important, important function in my life. And so Miyuki tapped right into that. Um, and that idea of just like, you know, really pausing to pay attention and be observant and just take things in. We give out so much. We're always telling people where we are and explaining things and sharing things and fuming. And sometimes for me, the healthiest thing to do is just pause and, and you know, let things come to you and, and seek out or seek out things um, that take concentration and focus and, and teach you something about the world. Yeah, I mean, it's a much more sort of mindful, conscious yeah. activity because we are putting out so much, We're talking, 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 sharing, sharing. Yeah. And it's it can be overwhelming. And so just stopping and listening. And then once you've stopped and listened, then listen deeper. I love yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I like, have, I have um, there was a project we almost did with the Third Coast Festival around the phrase, take a closer listen. And we made these buttons up. That's about as far as we got. We were inspired by a a Dutch designer who had made a book called Take a Closer Listen, where he asked um, experimental musicians about their favorite sounds, and they explained them in great detail. But we um, we just made these buttons, Take a Closer Listen, and I had them on, I have the still, I have them on almost every jacket that I own. And the the, uh, number of people who comment on on that button, they sort of, they get that it's pointing at something... um, 
people often say, well, what does that mean? And I just say, well, what does it mean to you? You know, you can, it's open for interpretation and you can take it in whatever direction you want. But it is something that that people bump on in a very positive way and comment on a lot. Yeah, it really resonated with me because I, in in my work with the Well Woman Show and the Well Woman Community, I, I work with women who are a lot of times in major burnout or transition. And these are women leaders and, and people who are really out there putting putting themselves out in the world and with you know great intention and, and attention to, to their lives. But a lot of times these are high achieving women and they want to go right from burnout into action. Like, what can I do to get out of this? And it's like, okay, we need to slow down, mm-hmm. stop and listen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then so, go deeper. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And then go deeper. So <laughs> I love it. So you mentioned um, building community and connecting and being a convener um, and a connector. And um wanted to ask you about that as, as far as did you see yourself as that? Have, has that been your role sort of all your life or were you a, uh, a, a producer of stuff first and then a convener and connector? I think um, probably more, a little bit of both, actually. I have produced a fair bit of audio myself, and I was never formally trained. I have a sociology degree um, from the University of Colorado. I have a BA, and that's as much formal schooling as I did. Um, And I feel like, actually, what I do now is an exact, perfect extension of having a sociology degree, because it really is about observing, you know, the society around us and, and highlighting things and um, helping build culture. Um, Any of the activities that I started doing to create myself, like the zine, and then taught myself some audio skills almost through osmosis. It was all around me. And, you know, quickly my standards were very high because we were working with the best audio in the world. So that's intimidating and daunting when you don't actually know how to make things. But, you know, this is something I tell anyone who wants to get into the business, just start, you have to start small and you have to start just making things and learn your way around equipment and start to find your voice just by creating something for yourself that's small and reflects something you care about. So, I did some of those and slowly started working on a few bigger pieces here and there. Um, I love creating and I get to work on content a bit more than I expected with this Radiotopia job, which is great. But with Third Coast, it really was a bit more of my uh, intention and priority to really build a platform that other people could come to and also to help guide people into new experiences with audio and to raise, you know, make a case for the um, audio as an art form and not just news and information, but a very powerful way to uh, express what we experience in the world around us. So I've just found myself very comfortable in that, in that sort of building around my, around me and I had friends, you know, my friend groups, we always came together for potlucks and do clothing swaps and just do a lot as a group um, at a really wonderful group of women friends in Chicago, where the Third Coast is based, where I lived for a long time. And we just did a lot of things together. And so I, f- I feel that kind of group collective supportive mentality is really uh, where I thrive. And with all the moving around we did from Australia to Cambridge, Massachusetts, you know, I started missing that community and have really tried to do things intentionally to start building that back up around me. Partly that's, I think, why I re, um, 
reignited the zine was so I could get some sense of the, even a, a male community with strangers is, is a familiar and comfortable place for me to play, space for me to play in a bit. Well, and also it's um, not online. You know, it's like everything, yeah. everything's it's very online. Tangible. And, it's very tactile. Yeah. yeah, and I think we're yeah. kind of needing to go back to yeah. And, you know, who getting mail is the best thing ever. And actually, for me, packaging up a, a sign to send to someone and decorating the envelope. Um, and now I can do this with my son sometimes. He's interested in, you know, when I pull out the markers and, and try to, it's not like super crafty, like scrapbook crafty. It's a little bit more random and, you know, whatever's around and collage Um and there's no rhyme or reason to stuff, but I just find such great satisfaction with like creating a little pile of envelopes to mail out, knowing that they, you know, not all of them come back. I've learned that over the years, but many of them come back and then they have these little gifts inside. And so there's real reward in taking the time to do that. I really, you know, it, it's rewarding even before I send them out, but it's really very rewarding when the cycle's completed and I get the envelopes back in the mail. Yeah. Okay. So for those listeners who don't know, uh, you, Julie, have a real thing about postage and stamps, and <laughs> mail. <laughs> it's true. And it, it's quite funny and interesting. And so um, there, I'm going to link in our show notes to uh, a, an audio piece about that that I found on, on, oh. your, on your website. I'll just put the link in there so people can listen. And I'll also link to your, to your zine. Thank you. Thank you. I hope I'll get some interest in, um, in, you know, very findable. You can tweet at me or, you know, send a passenger pigeon. I, I like to hear from people in all ways. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, and I would love to participate in that. Great. Um, so the other thing I found uh, was your, um, your funny teeth dental signs. Um, <laughs> blog or, or website. Yeah, personified teeth dental signs. Yeah. So that's so funny. Um, and so what's that all about? Like, why is what, it just like a fun little thing? That what you do? is that all about? Yeah, <laughs> it is literally, it was just like a thing I noticed in Chicago that, um, you know, there are, and I had came to find out that there are actually several dental schools in Chicago. So maybe that's why there are more dental dentists and dental signs everywhere. But um, what you may not have noticed, but you will now that I've mentioned it, I promise, is that there's a weird tendency for dentists to ha- have personified teeth yeah. on their on their signs. Like, and they, so these must, are like, they must make the teeth people. Yeah. And for whatever reason, they connect, maybe the dentist. I mean, I've thought a lot about this because that blog's been going for a long time. Um, maybe to make the dentist less intimidating or more charming or more heartful I don't know but you'll see you will see teeth with faces and teeth with mouths and teeth and thumbs and thumbs ups and um, you know they're dressed they have mustaches they're carrying toothbrushes they're those sometimes brushing their, their own crowns like giving themselves a shampoo but they're actually like brushing themselves um, so I started noticing these and just uh, for the fun of it put start putting because you can right I start collecting them in a another tumbler and um what I found is that people are so delighted by these like I'm kind of over it to be honest and people kind of still send me two things and I, I was never like a tooth fan I was a horse girl like horse stuff sure send me horse stuff but you know I get like teeth stickers and teeth figures and <laughs> it it it's so fun it brings other people like maybe more joy than me even although I will say every time someone sends me a picture and now I get them from all over the world it's crazy I have teeth from like Kyrgyzstan and and Siberia yeah. and like I mean they're they really they're out there and once you 
once you've heard me talk about them or someone's told you, like you start noticing them. So it, it's a kind of, um, this project just lives on its own. I never promote it. People find it and send, send them to me. I just actually got a, a picture yesterday from someone. Um, and it's been, it's been really fun to just, it's just a point we all have in common, which is like, we all see these signs, whether we realized it or not. And sort of why not take a picture and send it somewhere? And, and then I try to, you know, I use it as a very, silly writing exercise to kind of take on a voice to, to it, it say something about each tooth, but not say much. Yeah. And that's it. It's very simple, but they really do come in from all over the world pretty regularly. Yeah. I'm, I'm not as good as updating it as I, as I used to be, but there are okay. like, there's probably hundreds of teeth on the blog from all oh, over the yeah. world. Yeah. And, and so have you ever taken it further to like interview or, or do a story about dentists or, or why um, they do I have talked to friends with podcasts who it would make sense to do that for. I even uh, talked to my dentist at one point about where he, you know, the catalog that they look through to pick their, um, to pick the visuals that go on their newsletters and around the office. And um, I have never cared enough, to be honest, about right. the like actual facts of it yeah. to like pursue it, to make something about it. Um, but it has been referenced a few times in podcasts. And I feel like that is the, the perfect amount of weight to be yeah. given. To yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Um, um, okay, so looking back at your uh, part of the way you introduced yourself in terms of your your early days in the riot girl scene and and some of the kind of punk rock um, stuff, how have you um, brought with you through your career that uh, that approach, that kind of punk rock riot girl mm -hmm. perspective? And has yeah. that, has it been a challenge to can continue being, that, yeah. being aligned with that? Um, I love that question. I like to think about it a lot. Um, that music was really important for me and like really all I cared about for a while. Um, I was living in Portland, Oregon, working in a record store, you know, in that aforementioned kind of bad band and like really, really part of that community. And, and, um, it, it it helped solidify, you know, that talk about community, that's where I really found my first community of uh, a, ma a mix of friends and strangers and fellow fans of the music. Um, but all that that stood for, that independence and creative spirit and control translates directly actually to Radiotopia, which we often um, was sort of founded by uh, my, my friend and colleague Roman Mars and PRX. And this was when I was off in Australia, actually. So I wasn't part of the founding uh, sort, sort of energy behind Radiotopia, but uh, involved a lot of the people that I had come to know through Third Coast. And um, a fun fact is that actually the name Radiotopia is a name that I had come up with during my Third Coast years that Roman identified as a great name for this network. So, um, you know, of course, it was I was really delighted when he when when they asked if they could use it for the name of the network and it fits well, but we, we liken ourselves to kind of an indie or a punk music label. If you think of a podcast network having, um, you know, we have our bands, we have our shows and they're all independent, but our fans often listen to lots of shows in the network at once. Like you might listen to a few bands on a label and we go out and do live shows or we have t-shirts. Sometimes we tour. So they're really fun kind of um, surface level parallels, but it's really the ethos of that do it yourself, stay independent, um, you know, connect directly with your fans and your listeners and build community that way that is very much at the core of Radiotopia's values as well and important to us. I mean, we we talk about ourselves as a network of fiercely independent shows. That's our first 
distinguishing characteristic. And nowadays in the podcast world, that's so competitive and moneyed and corporate. It really is something that makes us um, distinct from the others, I think. And important to everyone. I think people, the shows that we work with, it's very important to them to be independent and to support each other and, you know, kind of exist in a parallel way to the uh, the more mainstream commercial podcasting industry. Um, so if anything, it feels like that early, uh, that early experience with punk and DIY, that's where my roots sort of stretched down. And now I'm, I'm still continuing to draw strength from that. And it is, you know, when we make decisions, I think about all of the perspectives um, and, and where those values come in and they, they, they always come out on top. And so I feel like it's, I've been lucky to be able to be in a position where independence and creative freedom has always been part of my professional life. And I've been able to encourage that for other people. And um, hopefully the projects that I've been involved with have inspired people to remember, you know, that they have agency with uh, with their artwork, with their creative um, output. And, you know, that there's great strength that you draw from all of that. So, yeah, I mean, but you've chosen that, you know, you, you, yeah. you were intentional about it. It didn't just happen. And, and I think that it, that's a really great takeaway for listeners of this show, which is that when you can be intentional and consciously stay aligned with who you are and your roots and carry that through into your family career and all the aspects of our lives, uh, then that creates the authenticity and the, the the honest kind of real raw who you are in the world. I I I agree, and in some ways, I feel like some of it wasn't um, intentional in a way that I, ne- I never mapped it out. The Third Coast existing was really like no one knew there'd be an audio festival like that. I so I actually had gained festival experience through an experimental music and film festival and documentary experience and radio experience, but never knowing those three things would combine to create a documentary radio festival that I would one day co-found. But it, it was a, a bit of following what I was driven by. And in lots of ways, these dots connect, but, but you know, not in a straight line. It's more of a constellation type shape. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's never somehow. a straight line, right? Yeah. No, never, never. So when, when young producers say, well, how do I get into radio? How did you get into radio? And I, and I, I have to say, well, I didn't get into radio through radio. I got into radio through my zine and through driving around the country and listening and realizing I love to listen more than I liked to watch. And, you know, following those sort of um, innate things that I started realizing about myself. And it was lucky the industry was changing around me at the time to to provide some of these experiences. But it also is very important that you meet people that give you chances. And I can, you know, point back to someone who gave me a chance before I had experience and said, you know, really don't screw it up. And it opened other doors. And that was a, a production job in radio before I really had much experience. But so I think, um, you know, the building relationships and knowing how to knock on doors and approach is really important part of helping you find your own way uh, as you move on through your career and, and, Net, you know, positive networking. And I, I think relationships are so at the core of all of the decisions I've made. So that that's really central to, to all of it and central to what might seem like a successful way of moving through different spaces with the same like sort of core values at the center of them. And can you, Julie, can you think of a, an example that you could share with with me about like a time in your life when you had to make a decision and maybe it was a hard decision, but that was had to be that you decided needed to be aligned with your values instead of going a different route. 
route? Mm. Well, I think, I mean, when I think back to decision, big decisions I've made, and maybe what you're talking about doesn't have to be a big decision necessarily, but, um, and this might get to what you're asking in a roundabout way. When I made the decision actually to move on from the third coast, it wasn't like third coast was turning corporate and I couldn't stand what it stood for anymore. Quite the opposite. Third coast was as strong as ever. Um, but I started realizing that for myself, I need, I was interested in what was going to be next in my life. And I wanted to stretch and I wanted to grow in a way that I didn't feel like I might get to at Third Coast because we were very established in what we were doing. And I didn't know what was going to come next. I actually decided to move on before I knew there was this job in Australia um, that could be another option to go do. And to be honest, that job was a little bit more bureaucratic. So it almost felt like I went opposite. I went from a very independent spirited, small run organization to a big state sponsored radio organization to do to create a unit a creative audio unit within that but I felt like what what I decided to do and I think this is the thing I, I advise a lot of people on which is to bring what you value into any space around you so you don't necessarily avoid a place that doesn't seem perfect but you know think about how you can impact something by moving into it with all you care about and everything that you bring and maybe making that a space that at least to you is more agreeable but hopefully is to other people as well. So, um, you know, and I moved on and that was a really complicated job because it was a huge radio organization and ultimately decided that the Radiotopia PRX model was probably more aligned with what I cared about. Um, you know, Australia is very far away too. And I was having a hard time keeping up with all of the huge community I'd become part of. Um, the time difference is a real thing. And even though I met so many amazing artists and producers that I'm still very close with, and uh, I think there's great, wonderful talent. And I think there were wonderful people at the ABC. I, I did feel like it kind of wasn't my jam at the end of the day. Um, no regrets about going there with my son and husband. We had 18 or 19 amazing months in Sydney. But when the Radiotopia job came up, it was like a neon sign saying, no, this is actually where you belong. Um, and so we decided before we had really set our roots down in Australia to come back. And, you know, that really felt like the right thing to do. And, and selfishly, I knew it was the right thing to do because when I looked at the job description, Radiotopia had gotten a big grant from the Knight Foundation and they were going to be able to hire this executive producer. When I looked at the job description thinking, oh, I'll pass it along to, to people who might be good fits, you know, sort of help Radiotopia find the right person. I just had this sinking feeling that like I actually didn't really want anyone else to have that job. It was very mm -hmm. selfish. And I thought, no, no, I, I think I want to have this job, actually. And it was like a mirror held up. And in that moment, I realized that um, it was a better match for me in that moment. So. Um, yeah. So put my you know name in the hat, and it, it ended up that I was invited to come come back to this side of the world and, and, and carry on. Yeah. And how did that? You've you've mentioned your family a couple times, and I've been wanting to ask you about this. So let's just mm. uh, do it now. I and yeah. And before we move into the the final segment for this okay. interview, which is the superpowers for success, but I just want to ask you about your family because how old was your son when you moved to Australia? He was two and a half. He was born in Chicago. And then from about two and a half to four and a quarter, he was in Australia with us. Oh, wow. So you had a, a career, a, a, at least a, a couple decades career before you had, uh, before you became a mom. Yeah, I was a, an older than some mom, for new mom. Yeah, yeah. And I relate to that because I did that too. I had a 20, mm. basically a 20 year career before I had kids. Mm -hmm. 
And so it is a whole other ball game, but <laughs> more and more people are doing it. So it, it doesn't feel uh, that unique actually. Um, how, so you moved your whole family over to Australia and then moved back and how, how was that? I mean, I guess he wasn't in school yet. So it, he just kind of yeah. tagged along. He was in preschool. And so, um, or so my husband's a musician and he had also been in Chicago for a long time. And, you know, we, one of the reasons we're so compatible was because when I saw the job come up and sort of said, Hey, would you want to move to Australia? And, and, you know, we both sort of thought like, why wouldn't we take this opportunity? So we were on the same page about knowing it was a huge, big step and would pull us away from our, you know, our extended family. But, um, because he was a musician, he wasn't, it wasn't like he had to give notice. Actually, he was teaching at a at a, a music school in Chicago, but he was kind of ready for his next thing too. So we thought, let's go do this thing. Um, so he was able to play and teach when we were in Australia, and I really went to the office every day. and And I give so much credit to him. He really helped Phineas, our son, kind of ground in in a new environment. They explored a lot of the city that I frankly never got to because I was working all the time. Um, but he also did a lot of the, the kind of he cooked a lot. He helped us settle into a new place a lot. So, I, you know, it was easier. It was something we all found the value in doing. And it was hard, but it was an amazing adventure. And we're really glad we did it. And we'll always have done it. And Phineas has these very vague memories of having been there. and We feel connected and we'll probably go back. Um, but it was hugely disruptive, on the other hand, too. And we ended up, you know, basically losing a lot of money because we weren't there very long enough to kind of start building back up and. Um, you know, as a as a kind of family trajectory, it was both the most amazing thing and also kind of a hard thing to do and come back from. Um, so, but, but again, like we're grateful we had the opportunity to basically, I think we would consider it again, you know, maybe later when Phineas has been somewhere for a certain amount of time and isn't moving around all the time. Yeah, no, but you did it, which is awesome. I think a lot of times it's it's hard for people to wrap their heads around mm. a big adventure like that. And yeah, and but when you when you just say you know you let go of the restrictions and the structure of like oh we can't do that and yeah. actually we can we can do that yeah yeah <laughs> um, all right well Julie we're moving into the final segment called superpowers for success and I just want to ask you a few questions here so that listeners can get to know you even better and take away some tips from your life and experience and expertise and leadership. Um, the first question is what does success in life mean to you? Uh, I think success for me is both an internal gratification based on the actual, you know, day-to-day work that I'm doing and a balance of health in my family life and personal life. And some of that's with my family, some of that's just with me. So it's, it's both paying attention to what's going on around me and, you know, always seeking ways that what I'm doing, you know, in an email may eventually can, should, might impact a larger, a larger population as well, like the podcasts that we make and that we support, um, I know are being heard by lots of people. So, uh, putting important or beautiful or meaningful content out into the world for other people to, to hear is um, something that I feel happy to be do, like successful in doing and, and happy to be doing. Um, so it's two prongs. So sort of like the actual work that I'm doing, I feel is meaningful and has value. And then I think also having become 
someone that I hope people coming up in the field can turn to. So being able to share my experiences and encourage others. Um, uh, so, you know, remembering to be generous and finding that important has also been uh, something that I don't always have, hadn't always had time for, but I've always found the value in. And I remind myself of that a lot, especially since I've entered more of an executive level, administrative business side of things, how important it is to stay in touch with the makers and the content and, you know, be accessible yeah. to people looking, looking for support. Well, what you're describing to me sounds like a mentor, you know, being, mm, being a mentor. Yeah. And ha- so have you formalized that role? Like, do you, do you call yourself a mentor with certain people? Um, I just, no, not in a formal way. I mean, I generally talk a lot and I'm usually saying, you know, hit me up. I'm happy to keep talk, keep a conversation going. I mean, my, th- there is a struggle with time and especially with a, a time-based craft, right? Because uh, listening takes time, thinking, giving thoughtful feedback takes time. But, you know, one thing I always counsel young producers to do is to um, ask questions, knock on doors, knock on inboxes. So I have always felt like I can't give that advice and then not answer, you know, and not mm-hmm. respond. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I am, I find a lot of joy in hearing new talent and hearing glimmers of, you know, future greatness and sometimes present greatness. And so, you know, there's a reward in the act of doing it as beyond just being supportive and helpful. Um, the thing with podcasting right now is like, there's quite a bit of interest from everyone. So it, it, it can get overwhelming and, you know, I, but I do try to stay open, open to, um, yeah. anybody kind of finding me. And Julie, when did you know you were really good at what you do? <laughs> Um, I think I feel flashes of it sometimes when I look back on, um, you know, younger producers who are now doing interesting things and they can, they do tell me that something I said once helped them along the way. Um, I see, you know, the response that people are having to the shows and I know that, I'm, I've always been a champion for creative expression and, and pushing boundaries and, you know, pushing people beyond what they think they're comfortable with. And so seeing people respond positively that positively to that has been helpful. And, you know, I think when I've had um, even that big decision to move to Australia, several women mostly have, or, but not exclusively women have come to me and said, you know, your decision to leave a job that you loved publicly loved and publicly were very connected with to go do something else was really inspiring. It helped me make this hard decision. So I think, um, that was a sign to me that just by like living in a way that I've believed in and seeing that other people have taken inspiration from that has felt like maybe the most meaningful sense of what, what I'm doing is contributing and, and generative in a positive way. Yeah. And can you describe a personal habit that contributes to your well-being so that you can do everything you do in the world? Um, I wish I had a little more, it would be sloppy, but like ritual in that I could do this or that on a regular basis. Um, I listen, I am listening to things a lot of the time. And um, I also ride my bike obsessively, you know, as far into the winter as I can. And so I would say that kind of, um, I can't, I can't promote bike riding while listening to podcasts because it's not the safest thing to do. But if you happen to have like a rail to trail or a bike path that you could do that safely on, like that's actually something I have found great joy in is exerting my biking, moving through space, listening, thinking about what I've listened to, um, and of course, also taking time off from the podcasting and putting some nice music on. I still 
I still cherish music when I have time to listen to it. Um, so, but it's, but a lot of, a lot of the important time day to day is now spent, um, you know, building a culture with, with my son and my husband too. So I think it's, it's the balance check-in as often as possible that, that is the healthiest and kind of helps me maintain an even keel. Um, not always, you know, it tips sometimes, but, um, because life throws things at you, but you know, generally that kind of openness and trying to really understand how I'm spending my time and where my energies are is, has been important. Mm. What superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? Oh, but well, it's a superpower. Um, I think everything that I feel like I'm good at revolves around listening and, and, and championing listening above other sort of sensory input. Yeah. Okay. And what advice would you give your 25 year old self? Oh, let me try to roll back to exactly where I was in that point. Um, uh, I, you know, I think it's a simultaneous push and pull, like sort of stay the course, but zoom out a bit and look ahead. Um, uh, what else would I say to a 25 year old? I mean, stay the course is pretty good because when, <laughs> when you're 25, you're, you know, yeah. we're not really doing that. Well, I guess that's, that's, you know, knowing now that all the dots did connect because there was hard work done in different ways along the way. And, you know, I put myself out there and I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't offered an internship at a public radio station out of the blue. I put a lot of, uh, put a lot of resumes together and sent them to public radio stations. And, and it was in fact a very tangible way the dots connected for me is I put a copy of my zine in with my resume and sent them off. And it was the news director in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, who saw my zine and gave me an internship based on the zine because he was very interested in how that sort of the zine could become a, a radio project as well. So that's where the my two lives like really did begin to dovetail together. Yeah. Again, staying aligned with who you really are and not just mm-hmm. doing what other people do or what's expected, but, you know, going that yeah. going that extra taking the extra effort to include your zine in that, you know, and really, really intentionally say, this is who I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's, um, what makes a good leader? I mean, you're a leader now, you know, you're a leader in the industry as a woman and as a professional, as a person, what makes a good leader? Um, listening again, <laughs> listening to other people, I think being open and transparent and communicative and accessible. I think all those things are very important. Um, and also being consistent in, in, um, consistent and, and generous. I just try to share my time with, you know, the business and then uh, as much as I can with, with the producers who I work with. Um, I think being, out there and visible and 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 being vocal about things you believe in is important to to lead to be someone that people ask questions to you have to be out there talking about what you believe in um and it's effort i think every step of the way there you know it doesn't come to you it's like the the passive life doesn't really get you far i have found i found that and you know but without being and um, 
ambitious to an unhealthy degree um, and finding some joy and fun along the way is really important. Having a sense of humor. Yeah. Okay. And what Julie is your greatest challenge right now in, in your life? Um, the, the space time continuum, <laughs> it's, it's kind of fitting everything in because uh, I do so much listening. I listen to all the Radiotopia shows regularly. I'm also developing new shows. So listening to drafts, listening to things that people bring, ask me to, and then, you know, also for my own sake, seeking out content that I will just benefit from hearing or enjoy, um, and keeping up with the crazy news around us and staying on top of what's going on in the world and how our actions are impacting others. So it is very hard to fit that all into a day um, where you're also making lunches at the end of the day and, you know, putting, you know, like everyone deals with this, put, putting the laundry away, right. doing feeding the cat, et cetera. But um, yeah, I just do find that we don't have a lot of time to um, rest and stay still. Uh, and so we don't probably don't get enough sleep, um, try to eat healthily where my family's vegetarian and that, that's important to us. But, um, yeah, I think the biggest challenge is, is just balancing, finding the balance in, in the minutes and the hours of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Last couple of questions. Do you identify as a feminist? Yes, <laughs> definitely. Capital Y. <laughs> okay. And what does that mean for you? Well, it's funny. I feel like at some point something kind of reawakened for me. I wrote an article a couple of years ago for transom.org about the lack of women hosted podcasts. And it sparked a really productive conversation. I think um, it was before, right before I went to Australia, I think. Um, and, you know, since then, people have really identified me with standing up for women in this space. And now, of course, that conversation has um, expanded to including diversity in this space as well, not not just women, but people of color and different backgrounds and different languages and you know, different approaches to content. Um, I think of diversity across the board in terms of content as well as person. Um, so but but I still am, you know, perhaps extra available for young women trying to find their way in this space and, um, you know, making time for that and listening to, to the work that they make um, and talking publicly, being on panels about, about that as well and reminding and, you know, pointing out when there are sessions with all men on a panel and pointing out when, you know, there's no, no effort made by decision makers to be more inclusive um, with men and women together. So I think it's, it's partly about teaching, also teaching my son these values and explaining why we had an interesting conversation about the Kavanaugh confirmation the day that all was happening. And I just couldn't turn away from the news and he was really not understanding why. Um, so, you know, moving through the world and, and identifying when things, when, um, when there are situations where there's a power imbalance for women and uh, speaking up and also um, just being available to younger women to, to help mentor them. Like you said, being a mentor is important. Yeah. Okay. Last question, Julie, what are you reading right now? Do you read? <laughs> are you, uh, are you only listening <laughs> or, or you could, or you could answer the question, what are you listening to right now? Oh, I'm always, always listening. And the thing that, you know, I get asked a lot, what should I listen to? What's the best thing you've heard? And, um, yeah, I love all the Radiotopia podcasts, um, Ear Hustle, which is a show that we helped create and I'm very involved with still on a day to day is one of my favorite shows. It's, it's produced at, um, 
out of San Quentin State Prison, and it's the stories of daily life in prison by told by inmates living that life. Um, and so I love I love that show. Besides being attached to it, um, and then I just heard a series from the ABC actually. But speaking of Australia, by a young woman named Honor Eastley. It's called No Feeling Is Final, and it's a limited series podcast about her experience. Um, with mental health and going through a period where she had suicidal uh, thoughts and went into hospital and, you know, she dealt with the, the medical system in Australia and her own struggles with that. And she kept an audio diary. It's very beautifully produced and very personal. And she's a great writer. So can highly recommend that. And they use the medium and all of its possible manifestations to tell the story. So um, I love that. No feeling is final. Um, but I did, I just read, read a book. My mom and I read books together. We have a, a little book club of two people. We've been doing it for a long time and we've read over a hundred books. I counted recently cause we moved and I was putting them back on a shelf. And so we read little fires everywhere together. Mm. Uh, just finished that like a day ago. Oh, good. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah. And, um, Julie, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Oh, thank you for for asking these questions. It's fun. You know, I really mostly talk about podcasts, so it's really fun to dig back in and think back on about, you know, who you are. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Who and why and how. I know. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's what this show is about, is really talking to leaders in their industry and then uh, kind of not going into so much about who, who they are right now and their titles and all the fabulous things, but really like, who are you? Mm. because that really informs what you're doing now it does it does when um it it may not seem like it all the time but clearly it does and it that is um a comfort in some ways to me so thanks thank you for helping me get realize some of that That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your well woman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join us. Our monthly live event, Well Woman Drinks, brings women together to share our successes and challenges as women, leaders, moms, aunts, sisters, and all the other roles we carry. If you'd like to attend a Well Woman Drinks near you, or if there isn't one in your city yet and you'd like to start one, email info at wellwomanlife.com. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe in iTunes and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you are listening today, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.